Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is the London is Blue podcast, all things Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. You would typically expecting Brandon to jump in here, but uh, he has the night off, much like Gary Cahill on the bench tonight. Uh, Dan here deputizing as Cesar Aspilicueta. I guess, Nick, what would that make you? Well, guys, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you, you guys know how valuable I am. Um, I'm definitely... Uh, part of the the training squad. I'm I'm one of the practice dummies that people uh, like to pass around. That's kind of my role on the team. So what you're saying is you're you're currently Kyle Scott this season. Yeah, cool. I, yeah, I'd be Kyle Scott, no problem. Yeah, yeah, be good. <laughs> Joining us for a little a midweek review of the match and victory against Huddersfield Town is Amadi, uh, like comedy, and uh, is. he is the editorial assistant for What a Howler and also the host of the Carefree Blues Pod. We've been working to get him on for a while and to join us. So uh, welcome, Amadi. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys having me on. I've been listening for quite some time, so it is a. Uh... It's quite an honor to have finally reached this pinnacle. Hi, mom. I made it. Uh, just <laughs> the did best a call that you can make. It, really? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's only fair though that you you announce maybe what player you would be, given that Nick is a, Nick is Kyle Scott, the training dummy. Yep. Ooh, wow. This is tough because I don't want to you know I don't want to put myself too high up the echelon, and then end up and end up like you know failing to live up to the hype. Ah, what can I do here? Ah. Uh, I like to stay under the radar, but I do find myself to be a valuable member of the team. So let's say Victor Moses. Ooh, Ooh I like, like that. that. Yeah. I, I thought when the moment you said you were going to go under the radar, I thought you were going to go with like Killian Hazard or something where, you know, yeah. t- touching greatness. But that's a, little, you, that's a little bit too far under the radar. I don't think <laughs> no offense to Killian, but, you know, his time will come. But it's just not now. 
Well, we have a uh, one new iTunes review since we last recorded on Sunday from C Texas Sauce. Uh, nice little five star review on the US iTunes store. Uh, works at a hospital, says he's on his toes 24 7, and the podcast is a true gift in the season of gifting. So, uh, very happy to make your day there. Again, always, if you leave a five star review on iTunes, we'll give you a shout out. And Nick, we have a new Patreon subscriber who uh, decided to give us a little love. Yeah, fantastic read, um, who's been a, a friend of our show for a very long time. Um, a guy that uh, Brandon uh, coordinated some some jersey exchanges with um, when we were in London. Uh, fantastic friend. So thank you for becoming a Patreon member, Reed. We, we really appreciate it. And to all of those who are thinking, you know, I have an extra three to five dollars that I could spend on something of value. You might you might just channel that energy, Dan, towards the uh, the old Patreon, huh? Yep, patreon.com, London is Blue podcast. And we have one more question before you jump in. It was Al Wright Vro asking, was it the blue jumpsuit today? And we will answer questions like that as we get into the podcast. <laughs> but first, a message from our sponsors at worldsoccershop.com. Nick, what do they got going on right now? Um, so truly, if you just go to their website, they're going to have uh, a lot of deals happening. You know, you, you'll see like 12 days of deals across, you know, a lot of different retail websites this time of year. They have that going on right now. They also have a, a sale page that's always on. So if you're looking for some sneaky deals, that's a really good place to get them. And on their Chelsea page, they also have a sale page that will have, you know, discounted items. But, uh, but Dan, I know that you had uh, a fantastic experience wearing the new uh, third jacket from Nike, right? Yeah, it's a sharp jacket. It's got that nice little imprint of the Chelsea FC in the background. And you can uh, only get it, uh, well, the best place to get it. You can get it a lot of places. But worldsoccershop.com, Nick. Boom. Do it. So we're going to head into our match review. It was against the Terriers of Huddersfield Town in the Premier League at the John Smith Stadium. It was this past Tuesday, December 12th. Blues 3, Terriers with a sneaky 1, almost with a clean sheet. Uh, correct store predictions, we had 0. Um, and then we, we got into some lineups. And, and Nick, since I'm, I'm kind of hosting right now, I think you should run down our Chelsea lineup. Yeah, I'm I'm the Zappa Costa in this role right now. Um, this is uh, so I'm like I kind of feature in this, but I kind of don't. Um, we had Tebow uh, between the sticks, uh, Captain Cesar Pilicueta, who uh, you know that C looks really nice on his arm. Andreas Christensen, Antonio Rudiger making out the back line, Moses and Marcus Alonso manning the wings, N'Golo Conte and Timmy Bakayoko uh, in the middle. Um, the uh, the pairing that they made the song about, and uh, a front three of William, Pedro, and uh, was it Mishibachui, Dan, or, or was it someone else? You you know the answer to that. Yeah, it was that. Don't, don't be mean. Don't it, be it mean. It was it was the false. It was the false, or maybe the true nine, as we'll get into uh, later on. Yeah, he also had uh, Willie C on the bench with Gary Cahill, Ethan Ampadu. Charlie Masanda, Daniel Drinkwater, Seth Fabregas, and Mishi on the bench with the hot water bottle, we believe. And, you know, kind of as we saw that lineup come out, Amadi, what were you thinking about the selection of the side that Conte went with, given that Murata was a, a no-go, given uh, a sore back, and also now a uh, future proud papa after his uh, Instagram post there? Oh, yes. Yeah, congratulations to him. Future. Congratulations. Um, I actually thought that it was a strong lineup, uh, considering the fact that he left Mishi Bechuay on the bench. I, I don't honestly, I get it with Conte. I understand that he feels that Mishi just doesn't fit the system well enough, doesn't play that position or understand what he wants of him in that position well enough. And to go with Hazard there is still, in my opinion, a, quite a strong move, uh, as seen by the way he linked up well with Willian and Pedro. But also I think that without having the midfield I guess run by Fabregas having the option to have him start. Um, I get to have William and Pedro. It provides that little bit more of creativity, and you see how on the lineup how they're more pinched in a little bit, and and you could tell that they were working to link up with Hazard, which they did quite well. So I was I was I was impressed with the lineup when I saw it. And it was a lineup that controlled sixty four percent of the possession with five total shots on target, twelve in total. 
just shy of 1,000 touches of the ball in wow. 934 with 769 passes. You, your eyes were not deceived if you thought that Chelsea was basically holding the ball for the vast majority of the match. Uh, yeah, a very, uh, very, very good evening. But there were some goals, and we want to talk about those two. 23rd minute, Nick Bakayoko is redeemed. Yep. Uh, so th- this was a match uh, as we were in the group text today that was uh, kind of for uh, for the outcasts um, of of Conte's system. Uh, Bakayoko, you know, uh, so the play started off by Huddersfield's goalkeeper, uh, who I don't want to butcher his name, so I will not attempt. Um, uh, kind of slipped uh, while trying to drive a ball forward. Uh, it was intercepted. It was played to Zard, who played it to Willian, who kind of cut across and then delivered a really nice little through ball um, to Bakayoko, who who may or may not have hit his shot on frame before um, a Huddersfield player kind of completed the act and, and put it into the net. So uh, it was a uh, it was a well worked goal, uh, Amity. I think that uh, the way that Willian kind of came out in this game and was interchanging made the difference. And then Bakayoko, maybe with a little bit of luck that he sorely needed to uh, to get credit for the goal. Yeah, I mean, it was one of the few times that I think our high press has, has really yielded some some fruitful, uh, I guess, misplacing of possession by the other team. I and mean, the way that we pounced, and I think it was Victor Moses who initially cut out the pass uh, from the from the goalkeeper when he slipped. And I too will not attempt to say his name. I think has a umlaut in there, and I'm not not venturing into those waters. But he <laughs> he slipped and kind of gifted it to us. But Victor Moses was there to 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 kind of head it in the general direction. But I think Hazard's back flick, of which there were many uh, today, he was in the mood. Um, found Willian on the run, and that for Bakayoko there in that position, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't confident. Um, he's been up and down, and his finishing in particular has been, I guess subpar i think that'd be a generous way of putting it so for him to get the i guess the the final touch before the defender bundled it in uh it's going to help his confidence and it definitely showed that he's he's got that i I guess that little bit uh i guess that deft finish because it does require a kind of bit of a cool calm nerve in that situation to not just blast it or try to aim the flip part far far post in that tight angle so yeah i thought i thought he uh i thought he left it a little late um on, on his run into the box to be completely honest with you but uh let's let's hope that he has a shooter shoot mentality you know like we would say over here in basketball um you know i think guys who just have that kind of unwavering confidence that they can do the job it makes a massive difference in those kind of crucial situations and yeah Dan, I think he got a little lucky, um, but you know, I also think that as a midfield two, he looked like he knew his positioning better than we've seen in the last month or two, and and was probably a little bit more comfortable next to Ingolo, knowing that he had those three dangerous options up front to pass to. All right, just because Brandon isn't here doesn't mean you can jump right into the meat and potatoes of the script. Yeah, there, there are more can. goals to talk about. <laughs> it's the Wild West right now. There are no rules. There are no rules to the script. Yes. I, I will say no, no love for Pedro on the the closing down there by you, Nicholas, and I'm ashamed because I, he, I think he also forced the uh, the error from the keeper. So uh, anyway, William, weather conditions minute. forced the, the the terrible slip, man. It was t- it, it was like that frozen sleet, nasty. It was terrible up there. It looked awful. Uh, and not not as fun looking as the Buffalo Bills football game from this past weekend, <laughs> which was essentially played inside a snow globe. But in the 43rd minute, William gets a Premier League header. Amadi, how excited were you for our uh, Brazilian William today? Honestly, I was I was very excited. He was I said, when I saw the header, I was like, that's not William. That was William. Was that William? And I had to like do, I had to you know double take, do the little rewind in the NBC uh, NBC Sports Live app just to make sure that it, in fact it was. And as I saw the beads of water glistening and falling off of his fro in slow motion, I knew it was true. It was in fact William. But how? I'm mean, no offense to Huddersfield, but come on, guys, how do you leave William alone? To head a ball in on your six, you know you must really be a, a, a defensive shambles. But we'll take those all day, all day. Yeah, no, nothing wrong with getting a little break there. I mean, I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that there was any you know kind of threat uh, felt from uh, from Huddersfield for William heading the ball. You know, I think that 
that was that was kind of the uh, you know if they, if they were going to take a gamble, it would probably be on that. So it was just a sloppy error, and and unfortunately, um, those errors would continue, Dan. Uh, they did. Uh, Pedro in the 50th minute got a nice little uh, handout there from William. And even though he had tried, I think it was in the sixth minute where he was just offside on that, that attempt at goal, uh, finally got a chance to get his for the night as well and just slots it right in past the keeper. And it was, uh, it was quite a beautiful, beautiful piece of, uh, piece of work. And then in the 92nd minute, when we think we're all done, uh, when shop has been wrapped uh, up for probably about 20 plus minutes, uh, Deporte uh, gets a little assist, uh, flicked on header past Rudiger, uh, and Thibaut Courtois loses his absolute mind and is uh, not happy at all. So frustrating, Amity. This is so frustrating that Chelsea can't, for some reason, just keep their mentality strong enough to uh, to not allow this. I mean, Deportra, or however you say his name, uh, I'm, I'm just struggling with the names today, unfortunately, guys. But um, he, he's brought on for one reason. He's like a proper center forward. Uh, you know what he's trying to do, making runs kind of off of the left shoulder. He's trying to get up in the air and he's trying to head the ball. And he did it really well. But uh, marking by Ru- Rudiger here was just uh, subpar at best. Yeah, I mean, this, this momentary lapse absences that are killing us and especially on defense it's kind of uncharacteristic for this team and for Antonio Conte in particular and as mad as Thibaut Courtois is and justifiably so because he should have had that clean sheet in the bag and that's a welcome sight for him uh, especially up late I know Antonio Conte was the one who would be seething about not being able to keep that uh, clean sheet all the way through especially after making changes all the way through the spine of the team so it's it's not a good look, honestly. Even though we had a, we won that handily, and as Nick said, it was it was wrapped up twenty minutes before time. So I honestly don't think it's it's just not it's not our best. You know, we could we could be that team who shuts teams out and and who makes a statement win a three nothing, but a three one is kind of it just kind of it seems a little bit like we kind of let things slip at the end, which we did. So it's frustrating, and uh, I think we could do better. I don't want to, you know, take take too much attention away from what we were talking about. But can we give a moment just for Alonso's crosses in the lead up to both of the the, goals, the previous goals? Oh hell yeah, absolutely. It, they've been a little bit wayward, and I think in today's match he finally found his uh, found his sweet spot. So I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, and he was being given a ton of space on the wings today, which uh, yeah. I think we will get into as we dissect this match a little bit more. Brandon did leave one note in the script. Uh, it's kind of like opening the candy bar and finding the golden ticket, Willy Wonka style. But he's saying that Chelsea will not keep in clean sheets will be why Courtois leaves, wow. which is uh, quite the power statement. If you think about it, we only have had six clean sheets so far this season, and two of those came against uh, Carry Bag, Carabog. Um, and... That that's a pretty pretty poor kind of results. Uh, you know, there definitely some names that you kind of can think about uh, as a backup option, like Keppa from Athletic Bilbao, but uh, he's also a Madrid target, so and, and much cheaper than Thibaut Courtois. But we will let Brandon speak about that the next time he makes it onto the show with us. Goalkeeper seeming. <laughs> Absolutely, they are fraternity, they fraternity are. of shot stoppers. So, question one, Amadi. What do you think the biggest key was to success after it's such a dismal performance against West Ham this weekend and the, the biggest change that you saw that made it happen? Uh, I think the biggest key to success today was starting on the front foot. Um, we, against West Ham, I mean, Arnautovic's goal was indicative of how we started the match. Um, it was just, we didn't come out of the gates quickly and West Ham for, for a team who, honestly have been poor all season and decided to, to show up, you know, against us and we let them. Um, so today I think that Conte must have been very intent on taking the front, getting off on the front foot and also show, you know, making a statement with our possession and having the team high up the field. I think from the, from the off, we were just camped out in their half and there was definitely the mentality of we came here to, you know, we came here to win this one. And, and, it was just the opposite of the of the match at West Ham. And I think that playing on the road, we've kind of, we've been pretty consistent. So I feel like the West Ham match was a lapse and this one was the, the real Chelsea and the one that we've shown we can be uh, ruthless while, while traveling. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think, Dan, if, if I were to take one thing that I, I thought was there today that maybe wasn't on Saturday, 
that would be kind of attitude. Um, you know, I think that when you have, you know, three uh, free flowing attackers and Hazard, William and Pedro uh, just having fun out there. Uh, I think the whole team kind of rallies around that. And it also showed me today that, you know, Hazard is definitely, you know, we, we've known that he is a, a forward, but he showed today that he was um, very, very comfortable in a in a three front with those two and just being able to interchange and kind of uh, drag center backs out of position was massive because Huddersfield uh, were playing so narrow that it made it, you know, kind of kind of like West Ham wanted to do or tried to do um, after they scored their goal. They were just trying to make no space in the middle and, and make us go around them and. Uh, that did not work against West Ham. This it did work today because Alonso's uh, crosses, like Amity was saying, were were on point. So I think just that fluidity up front probably caused a lot of problems. And then you know, Bakayoko playing a good game. You know that that was uh, a massive, massive, massive improvement over what we've seen. Yeah, I, all things that contributed to the the ruthless attack, and yeah, I think Amity called it out, especially for the the goals where Alonso was getting tons of space. The pass from Azpilicueta on the back right hand side over to Alonso to set up Williams' goal. There was no one in any amount of space near him. It's almost like they leased him a part of the pitch, and basically he was there to like you know he could have set up his own little Sim City in that moment if he wanted to. He could have set off the natural disaster mode and had like hurricanes and snowstorms going through and it wouldn't have affected like any of the other climates on the pitch because he had that much space today. And I just think the wing play, you know, today was so much better. They were so much further pushed forward. And that's obviously instructional, right? Because ultimately Conte is going to come up with a plan. He's going to tell them where he wants them. We're going to hear about the first 45 minutes where the only name he's screaming is Alonzo, Alonzo, Alonzo. And we're going to hear about the other 45 minutes where he's only screaming Moses, Moses, Moses. And you know, that it's cause he, you know, wants the wings to play a certain way. And I, I think tactically to me, it seemed like he got it more correct when you look at how this match was set up and, and potentially maybe how West Ham should have been set up for as well. Shout out to Victor Moses on his 27th birthday. Oh, look at you remembering. When did you get him? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't yell at him all match, so I mean, that's that's not <laughs> nothing. Yeah, it's it's sort of a gift. I mean, I, I don't rap things very well, you know. I'm just not I'm not one of those guys, so I can't can't really contribute a ton. Like you can ask my my brunch group this weekend how well I rap my my white elephant gift. It was it was not too well. So there you go, yeah, Dan. I feel like you're the guy who pays people to rap the gift for them. Oh, absolutely. Like, here's the thing. If you know you're not good at something and for me have zero interest in improving on that thing, then you just pay someone else to do it. And that way it looks professional. And then you can just hand it and be like, hey, put a lot of thought into this and it looks good. Boom. Exactly. Well, I think there was one person who was interested in uh, perfuming, getting a little bit of improvement in his game, uh, not just taking the pay someone else to do it way out, like a Nicholas Verlaini. <laughs> uh, Bakayoko came into this match and had been, I think, lambasted by a lot of fans recently for his performances in a couple of key matches. And Conte came across very impressed with him tonight, uh, even went so far as to say in the post-match press conference that he played a really good game, and he was very happy for him talking about a player who is 23 years old. He's adapting himself to our ideas of football, which we haven't heard that phrase in a while. I'm so glad that's making its way back tonight. I saw the best performance from him. I started to see what I want. The right pass between the lines, change sides to be solid and focused for the whole game. I am pleased, very pleased for him. And this type of performance will improve his confidence. I repeat, I'm not worried about Bakayoko. He is the own player. Nick, how did you feel about Bakayoko's uh, return to form? Rebouncing? What are we going to call this? Uh, I mean, look, he he hasn't been good. I think the criticism has been warranted uh, of of Bakayoko, but uh, it's not to say that a young player can't improve. And I think that in this formation, um, in this three four three or three four two one, whatever it ends up being at the end of the day, that he's a lot more comfortable and confident, knowing kind of his role. You know, I think that. Part of the, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, Amity, but 
part of the 352 that's really intricate and detailed is uh, which one of the not N'Golo Conte midfielders uh, make the forward run uh, at the appropriate time. And I think that he gets lost in space a little bit in that formation and, and hasn't quite wrapped his head around it. Uh, whereas like a drink water, I think is a lot more suited to, to kind of know when to make that run. So I think the 343 allows him to kind of just stay in a, in a pretty central position and uh, have the passing angles that he's used to to uh, to having. I agree a hundred percent with that. I think that he's not used to yet the three five two and where he what his role is in it. And for you know Fabregas who likes to book the pitch a little bit, he likes to be up you know involved with the attack. I think Bakayoko sometimes goes a little bit too gung ho to join in. And as much as that helps us, you know and. It did help us to win again, to win against Atleti away. Um, it was his his pass that moved on for Alonso. I mean, he, he does pop up in the right places sometimes, but then I feel like he is out of place or doesn't necessarily know what to do with it once he does uh, receive it in, in a forward advanced position. But today I felt that he was more measured on the ball. He, he knew where it was going. Uh, he didn't have to, you know, he, he looked a bit panicked sometimes and he's also played far off in too many negative passes when he could be moving forward or, or you know, it's part of N'Golo Conte's game that I, I've really taken notice of this season, uh, especially that Conte said he needs to be more offensive. He needs to look more forward instead of playing backwards. And you can see the way that that's changed over the past 18 months. For, for, for Bakayoko, I think it might be a slower process, but he is sort of finding his niche. And I, I, Conte, I, the, the praise he gave him was deserved. I think he did play very well. It might have been his first solid all-around game that I've seen him play. Um, so more of that, please. Maybe, maybe since Spurs in the second game of the season, like yeah, uh-huh. you know, I think that he's he's kind of struggled. You know, I think he played an okay game against Atletico the first time. Um, but we were there against Atletico the second time, and it, it wasn't um, it wasn't a great effort. So there's there's a lot to work on with him, Dan. I think that you know just as we just as we criticize when uh, he uh, does not play as well, I think we we do deserve to praise him today, and and hopefully uh, the rest of our uh, our following can kind of join us in that. Yeah, we had a, a comment from one of our listeners slash followers on Twitter, Jason Wyatt, who asked, why is Bakayoko so hit or uh, and hit or miss? Can't tell if he's awesome or uh, trash. That's an edited version of the tweet. <laughs> um, but yeah, good game from him. You know, as we know, we Americans are absorbed with stats. We love them. They help define some of the information for us and, and give us that little bit of balance. But 55 out of 59 passes, three shots, one on target. Two for three on aerial duels, two and two on tackles, two interceptions, one one on take-ons, one goal, 75 total touches of the ball. But I think it looked smoother. I think he ultimately did not look as uh, rushed or out of place. And I think part of that had to do, frankly, with the level of competition. Huddersfield were not very good in general. And <laughs> you don't say <laughs> you win three one against them uh, and you get almost, you know, a thousand touches of the ball. Um, yeah, away. I, away. Yeah, it's and I, I think that made it easier for him. I, I think there are still plenty of tests to come, uh, you know, especially if he does get the nod for, you know, the Barcelona matches coming up when we kind of get deeper into the uh, the Champions League here. So it'll be interesting to see as we move forward how he establishes himself and how he kind of finds, you know, some really solid form. Because ultimately there is Danny Drinkwater sitting behind him now too. Uh, to what level of health he is or isn't, uh, we'll definitely make that a bit of a challenge. But moving on, so William and Pedro pop in, have not played a ton of minutes this season, deliver some pretty spectacular performances and some great goals. Are they going to put pressure on Conte to rethink leaving them out in favor of the 3-5-2? Or is having Sesk in the middle and Hazard on the central uh, more important than potentially running with the uh, the 3-4-3? And, and Nick, we had a lot of comments uh, asking cool. about formation. Uh, yep. Mark on Facebook, uh, Al- uh, Albie Bauer on uh, on Instagram. We had uh, one of our new listeners, Jared, on Twitter, uh, Aish uh, on t- you know, Twitter as well, too, all asking about 343. Is that what we should be doing against smaller clubs? Is it about the club? Is it about the tactics of the match? Like, wh- What should we be considering or looking at with the 
the distribution or the usage of these lineups? <laughs> I think we've covered this uh, about a thousand times this year, but it's funny to me because I think the performances have been so up and down across the board. You haven't seen the level of consistency that Chelsea had last year, right? So I think that a lot of fans think that there um, might be a kind of special solution to this kind of inconsistency issue. Whereas I think Antonio Conte looks at every match in a vacuum. And if he thought today that there was no chance that Huddersfield would take us in the midfield, then a 3-4-3 a allows a couple of things. It allows more flexibility up front, and it allows players to rest who desperately needed some rest, including uh, Murata. Um, so it... I think there's there are just pluses and minuses to both. Like when we play Barcelona, I would almost bet money right now that we're going to be in a three five two. Uh, when we play uh, Southampton at the weekend, we we might be in a three four three because it takes uh, our strengths and matches them up against their weaknesses. And I think that's just how you know, especially as we kind of get deeper and deeper into this crazy festive season, Amity. That's kind of how we have to look at it. You know. Uh, generating you know some press with the 343 and then being able to sit back and counter with the 352 well Huddersfield really didn't bite pressure they they didn't exactly not all teams are going to play us the way they did they dropped deep they allowed us to camp out in their half and and really didn't press the first two passes until we were well beyond their 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 front line um I agree that our Maybe the best and, and most conservative option in this case would be go three five two and morph that to a three four three one on uh, when in possession or uh, maybe when when the ball's on the opposite side of the field. But I, I think Conte himself exhibited that uh, against Atleti or I think even against um, Manchester United when they came. He does want to be able to provide some sort of offensive thrust and uh, and to have the ability to morph between those two formations does provide that uh but at the same time i feel like he'll be more wary um so it's 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 something more difficult against it's something difficult to vet to to, to predict against good teams because you can't necessarily you know not bakayoko may not have a fantastic game fabregas may not be on you know on top of his game either so we're gonna have to compensate in other areas and the crux of, of our of these two formations is is owning the the midfield, and a failure to do that will turn this whole thing on its head. So, yes, it's speculative, but I do agree with you in that our you know the morphing between those two formations is our best bet, especially against weaker opposition. Yeah, you, know, you know the one thing I kind of would point out, Amani, and I love your thoughts on this too, is that this also was a three four three with Hazard in the center versus you know if Morata's healthy, then you'd be playing you know Hazard most likely out on the you know wide position and you know kind of putting either William or Pedro in right now. Like, what are your thoughts kind of with that three four three versus the one we saw today? Is this actually a better version than the one that we have uh, Morata on the pitch versus like a central Hazard? Well, that's a really good question. No offense to Murata, but this formation today, I just like the versatility. I like the interchanging of positions. I feel like with Murata in the middle, Hazard has to has to play a certain type of role, and, and that is he's cutting in and he's linking up, or he's taking the game on his back if we can't get the ball into Murata's feet or he's having an off day. So I like today's formation. I like the fact that William Hazard and Pedro can, can you know link up and do the little one-two touches that they enjoy to do, um, and that's something that you know, clearly they sparkled today, but I think that if they were given an opportunity at future dates, they would do it again. And I, yeah, we're snubbing Misha here bad, but at the same time, it's, if yeah. it's effective, if it's effective, why, you know, why change it? It looks good today. I, I thought it looked good. I mean, I think that we do have to take into account the level of competition, right? Because, uh, you know, Huddersfield is not Manchester City. And I, I think that the way that Chelsea pressed today, knowing they could get away with it is probably going to be different than against, uh, you know, maybe Southampton at the weekend who are a little bit more physical. So, you know, I think that for, for the for the kind of lighter front three um, without Murata to work, there has to be turnovers in midfield. Um, you know, luckily, we are blessed with a couple of midfielders who are capable of doing that. But the, the press has to kind of work in cohesion with the, you know, kind of the, the forward play. So whereas Murata, you know, if, if we do need to sit back in the three, four, three and invite a little bit of pressure to get a breakaway, he's a much better target option to at least start the break. So I, that, that's just my thought on it. But I mean, the three, four, three is still a viable option against, 
uh, most teams in the world. You know, it's just those those buggers that will be, you know, Barcelona, United City, you know, kind of the upper echelon teams that we need to control the midfield. And there's only one way in my mind that we can do that. And that's a three, five, two. Agreed. I think it's also good to point out that Liam Toomey, one of our friends from ESPN, pointed out that Chelsea's record with Hazard as the false nine or nine, depending upon how you slice it, a la Dan Levine, uh, Leicester zero, Chelsea three, Chelsea three, Bournemouth zero, Carabag zero, Chelsea four, Huddersfield one, Chelsea three. Small sample size, not elite opposition, but pretty impressive nonetheless. So may also give us an option moving forward if we need to rotate between Hazard and Murata or give either of our uh, talismans a little bit of a break that we do have some ability to rotate, especially due, due to a heavy fixture window right now and probably even denser as we continue out into the new year and hopefully across four competitions. But we will start to wrap up this match with any additional thoughts. Nick, did you have anything that came to mind? Yeah, I uh, I think that Ethan Ampadu uh, got his Premier League debut today. Uh, you know, he was uh, he subbed on for uh, the Danish Prince uh, late in the match, about the 80th minute. So we got 10 minutes of playing the uh, the central pivot in the uh, back three instead of in the midfield. It's kind of like a holding midfielder um, and looked really confident, looked really poised. I think the uh, downside of this for Chelsea fans is pretty much that David Luiz is not coming back at this point. Uh, it doesn't look, yeah, it doesn't look like he's he's going to be a part of the squad anymore. So I, I know that there are a lot of a lot of fans out there who love David Luiz, who love the way that you know love his leadership and love you know the way that he plays. But uh, due to circumstances, which I'm sure you, you guys have all heard about um, or, or purportedly heard about. Uh, Ethan Ampadu is is now kind of our our next best option, um, which is is kind of scary, Dan. When you think about the uh, the rotation of our squad coming up, well, and his his height. <laughs> yeah, he's not he's not the tallest uh, individual on the pitch, but uh, you know I, I would kind of also shout out the fact that Christensen again continues to have a baller performance. Uh, ninety six completed out of ninety eight attempted passes. And uh, one excellent off-the-line headed clearance, which was uh, pretty pretty wonderful. But continued to be cool, calm, and collected for the majority of the match. Never under pressure. Uh, that would be my, uh, my shout-out for the moment. Amadi, did you have any other call-outs for the, the match at hand? Um, I think I, might, I would like the special shout-out for William. Uh, he's, I think he deserves it. He's been playing well recently. And I think that there's an understanding developing between him and Hazard that you know, we've, we've kind of all been waiting to come for a while. Um, there have been some classy goals scored after link-up play between him, Pedro, and, 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 and Hazard. And I think that it's it's really that kind of expressive sort of football that he enjoys the most. So um, I'm happy for him. And I know there have been a lot of detractors. I've been I've been one of his critics in the past, but he's, he's really starting to come good. So I'm happy for him. All right. So that takes us to our man of the match poll. And Nick... What did it look like today? The man of the match poll produced by Dan Dormer. Um, it must be <laughs> must be said so I don't get all the grief here. Um, is essentially a choice between what could have been a lot of options, which is a positive thing that we're back in that territory instead of the Dan has to put mandatory options two through four, uh, <laughs> like like on like on Saturday. Um, uh, the winner of the Dan Dormer. Man of the match poll with 46% of the vote is Eden Hazard. Uh, second would be William. Third would be Pedro. Or third would be Bakayoko. And then fourth would be Pedro. So Pedro's goal gets zero love, which I don't understand. He played very well. Um, but yeah, that's that's your that's your kind of setup there. Is there anyone else that you guys would have voted for outside of those four players? Um, not for man of the match. I mean, Christensen was a rock. But you know he came off early, and I mean you kind of get you kind of get no love back there for being consistent. But I think it's something to be said. Um, he's he's been really impressive, and I just kind of want to echo your guys' comments from before. Yeah, Dan, Danish Prince is someone to uh, be very happy that he's on our side, and we're not playing against him on a weekly basis. I will say uh, Eden Hazard after the game was awarded the official man of the match, but he did give the award over to William, and I think we should do the same because uh, Amadi's comments touching right in the feels. 
William has had a tough go. It's gotten a lot of flack from fans and uh, I think definitely has come good with some performances recently and, uh, you know, found some form coming off the bench or being called upon in tough moments. So big shout out to our Brazilian for finding, finding it, finding form when we need it. We're going to take a look at the table as it stands right now with a couple teams left to play tomorrow, like Manchester City and Manchester United. Chelsea are currently third level with Manchester United, but they do have a match in hand. Right behind us, four points behind, Nick. Burnley, fourth place. That's right. Powerhouse. Uh, A team that can't be stopped. Burnley, 31 points. Four. Fifth, Liverpool, um, who will play tomorrow as well on uh, on 30 points. Arsenal playing tomorrow on 29 points in sixth. And Spurs are, are Spursy, very, you know, they're, they're Spursy in seventh on, on 28 points. So there's a lot going on, uh, a very congested table. We can only hope that Swansea takes points off of Manchester City like we know they can. Uh cannot do that they will not but we can hope right guys the tammy abraham masterclass is incoming <laughs> paul no. clement wilfred boney is back to scoring scoring goals again so if maybe hopefully he wants a little bit of revenge or something i don't know we, we will see but before we get into some of your social media questions and talking about the champions league draw we're going to talk nick about european nights that's right. You saw the photo shoot, guys. Um, there well, were maybe, three. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't. If you haven't, you should. You should go to our Instagram and see three average bodies in very tight sweatsuits. Um, um, no, we had some fun. World Soccer Shop sent us some some gear for our London trip uh, that we were on last week, and we went and did a, a little mini photo shoot to show it off. But it's the kind of slate gray Dan, the uh, with teal accents, and the gear is actually super sick and awesome. And you should go get it right. Yeah, very very comfy. I really enjoy actually the the Henley that they they have too. Yeah. So are they you know. Polo without a collar, as uh, you might refer to it if you don't know what the word Henley is. They're, uh, they're pretty fantastic, and you can get them on uh, worldsoccershop.com right now. Boom. All right, so we're going to jump into social media questions right after we talk about the fact that Chelsea have drawn Barcelona, not PSG, <sighs> shocker. Wow. In the Champions League. And, you know, we'll kick it off by saying uh, Opta Chelsea uh, uses the Opta data. Seven, Chelsea are unbeaten in their last seven games against Barcelona in the Champions League. Five draws, two wins, zero messy goals, Nick. How are you feeling? I'm not talking about like messy as in like dirty goals, but, you know, Leo <laughs> Messi goals. Um, I, you look, I, I think that. As I was growing up uh, and, and as I was growing into being a Chelsea fan in, in the mid 2000s, this was like the marquee matchup that I look forward to in the Champions League. Um, you know, I think it was uh, an incredible run where Chelsea were almost always matched up with Barcelona for whatever reason. Uh, and as we were kind of talking about before the before the show, you know, the, the contrast in styles between that unbelievably talented and fluid Barcelona team against the unbelievably um, rigid and and defensive and solid uh, team spirit that Chelsea had was something to watch. And, you know, more often than not, Chelsea have gotten the better of Barcelona. And that's even with Leo Messi playing a a a starring role, I should say. So uh, there is a lot to uh, unpack here from a matchup standpoint. We will definitely get into that closer to uh, February 20th. But it is exciting not to play PSG for once and then to, to get kind of the uh, the old flame rekindled, right, Amadi? I mean, I would, I've would i honestly been looking forward to this. For I've been, I've been psyching myself up looking at those old videos of, of you know, uh, referee of Rebo. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know exactly uh, what I'm talking about. And everybody else is too now. This is good. We want this. At the same time, and I think you said it before the show started, we're not going to have a repeat of those wild unbelievably lucky hit the crossbar you know save off the line uh you know petter check master class penalty saves like this kind of you know just unbelievable sort of written in the stars style run that we had in 2012 and also i guess the the, the hard-nosed you know back and forth finishes that we had in in, in the, 
the mid 2000s I think it's going to be a completely different type of match I don't know that the the whole Messi has a sword against Chelsea thing will continue um, but I, I hope it does but I also think we're much more of a it was much more of a, a team finish that, 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 that kind of beat Barcelona uh, in, 2000, in 2012 so I'm hoping that we show them that we can actually play some football as well I, yeah I agree with that Dan and, and, and or Amadi and Dan I think that for me uh, when I look at you know the matchup of these two teams, and and they're much different than they were five years ago, uh, that Chelsea do play a, a bit sexier football these days. That Chelsea do have Eden Hazard, who probably wants to prove himself against the world's best player. Uh, Chelsea do have Cesar Azpilicueta, who is uh, more than used to a lot of the the Spanish contingent on the other side of the ball, and they do have Ingolo Conte, um, who is just a a mastermind in the midfield. So I think there's a lot to, there's, there's a lot to unpack and I'm sure Antonio Conte is already doing uh, a little bit of looking ahead, but Dan, what are your thoughts on, on kind of the potential matchup or, or key points? I think the biggest thing to me is that, you know, we had Christensen playing, you know, in the champions league at, you know, much uh, of and has had the chance to play against, you know, some of these individuals and, I think in that mind, I actually feel pretty confident or comfortable, more comfortable. I feel comfortable and I feel confident that Antonio Conte can work aside together to perform magic as we saw last season. And I think we've got a little bit of time between now and when we actually have to play Barcelona. It is a pretty stacked fixture window involving games with City and Manchester United and also those stalwarts West Brom in the mix as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that that comes about. But we're going to jump in, take a little turn, a little U-turn into some social media questions. Our boy Reed, you know, if you're Patreon, you get the first question or one of the first questions. He, uh, he wanted to know what's going on with the top four finish, potentially making a run in a trophy. Who could we reasonably look to add in the next month to help us finish that way? And uh, I did put out today, Nick, that uh, I'd like to hear uh, everybody's favorite Christmas movie. And he said uh, his is It's a Wonderful Life and a Christmas Story. So he chose two. Yeah, well, when you when you when you're a Patreon guy, you can choose two movies. That's the rule. Um, so no, I think that. There, there are a lot of different options out there. I think when you look at what we really need, we really need a left wing back um, and we really need a striker. And, you know, a striker that we were looking at uh, previously would be Bellotti, who's going to be a ton of money, but also um, could be a really, really solid option to look to, could play in the Champions League uh, moving forward. I mean, that would be an option that I would look at, Amadi, but I mean, that's. Um, definitely you know just one area that we need to look at i mean if if we have you know some sort of alexandro play that probably won't happen until the summer i think yeah i, mean, I, I think i was actually having a discussion with someone about this on twitter earlier that those kind of big name transfers and and you know the the it's more about it's more of a shore up this position or do we need a vital you know replacement or sort of backup for this one and i think that we know as you said left backs and strikers something we would love to get and and to, to secure alexandro's signature would be a dream but i don't think that we'll be able to push it through in january um i do think that the the question about mishi and and whether we need to find a solid backup now or can we even afford to wait another six months is is that's going to be the most pressing issue, I think, on, on, on a lot of Chelsea fans' minds. Uh, maybe not so much for Conte, who, you know, probably has his own his own worries to go on. Uh, but there's there's definitely this left back issue, and I think that, as you said, getting a solid player who we know can slot into the team readily, that's really kind of hit or miss in January. So I'm, I'm interested to see who we have on the radar. I know we saw an article earlier, or I'm sure you have seen the same article about us looking at a. Uh, Lamar, but this is that's a little bit different. So we'll we'll, we'll uh, jump to that one. Uh, our boy Ollie Glanville put a little note in there too. Kind of tagged all of us before he podcasted about: Is it a coincidence that the day we're linked to Lamar, Bakayoko has his best game for us? And uh, one of our friends on Facebook, Marvin, put in uh, that we are one X, X factor away from being an elite in his opinion, and uh, Lamar could be it. 
So, you know, Lamar what do you like think? Neymar? Is that Lamar what, is like that Neymar. That's right. what I'm going for. There you go. He got it. Um, so, you know, Amadi, do you feel like that's a, a viable option in your mind? Is that one that gets you, uh, is that, is that transfer rumor get you excited? I mean, it does get me excited if, if for no other reason that we do want to pip our rivals to his signature. I mean, I don't think that he's a, a, a no name. I have watched him play. I do think he's an exciting player. I don't necessarily know that he's immediately. I mean, I guess it's all about how much money you would spend on them, but I don't know that he would immediately replace one of our one of our attacking players in that position. And I don't know that he could easily be a starter. So when you get this kind of January transfer and you're thinking, okay, I want to improve the squad, does this player immediately come into the team and is, is he going to be a starter? And that's, that's not really a question I can say yes immediately to. So, I mean, I think if you spend 80 million pounds on, on someone like, you gotta uh, start him. yeah, you have to play him. Like that's the only, and I don't know. I think that when you look at, uh, Lamar as, as Dan said, <laughs> there you um, go. that like, it's not an area that we, it's not that we don't need someone of his of his quality or his caliber. It's that it's not at a position where we desperately need right now, you know. And that's if you're going to spend eighty million pounds on someone, it better be for Alexis Sanchez, who we could absolutely start tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, exactly. That that would be my thing. And Alexis Sanchez, also, if you're listening to the show, you're more than welcome to come to Chelsea. Um, they're in the Champions League, as I'm sure you I'm sure you've heard, playing Barcelona. Uh, a team that you used to play for and could probably score a couple goals against for fun. I don't know. Sounds like a good fit to me. Let's do that. Nick, I believe it's also a, uh, a short uh, crosstown trip. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe it's a dog friendly area of town. Yeah. You don't have to move your family. Here's the other thing. Like you're not in the champions league right now. And, and we could just make that happen. <laughs> like we can make it happen immediately. You know what I'm saying? So Alexis, you know, uh, do the right thing. You know, don't, don't 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 stay there or or go to Man City. Please. He hasn't renewed his contract yet, has he? No, he has not, and he probably won't. won't. I mean, we should be looking to do everything we can to to coax him and his dog to our side of London. Yeah, I would throw eighty million pounds at at Alexis Sanchez tomorrow if I were Chelsea's board. Yep. And and a yacht for his dogs. Um, so Mishi, a yacht. Jeez, yeah. Dan, Dan. That's a little yeah, serious, Dan. Yeah, I don't, do I don't know. What about a kiddie pool? Can we throw it's in a, a kiddie pool for the no, dogs? It's, it's a sign no. of intent. It's a sign of intent. <laughs> so Mishi's another one we talked about. We did get a lot of questions about him. Uh, Kono speaks. Why didn't Mishi get the start? Hashtag minutes for Mishi. Also mentioned his favorite ex- uh, Christmas movie, Home Alone. Great shout there. Nathan Allen was asking, do you think he's going to be sold in January and replace him with someone better? And then uh, Trini Chase asking, why are the strikers not getting more rotation or starts? Uh, well, for him, that question, there's only two strikers on this team. So the, the striker is not getting more rotation um, only when the other striker is is hurt. <laughs> and that's a, that's a tough place to be in there. Um, yeah, it's it's tough, man. I, I really feel for Mishi. He's, he seems to be such a, a positive individual, has really had a super amount of resiliency, has, I think, been quite the character on on all of the social channels, and I think has endeared himself pretty well. Uh, but sometimes his performances have been a little, little rough, kind of comparative to what either Hazard can do up top uh, or Murata can do. And uh, it's a tough barrier to break through. And, and, you know, Mati, I, I don't know about you, but I, I think that alone would be great for him at this point. Or if we really determine that, you know, Conte will not ever consider him as a striker, it's probably just best to sell him and, and kind of really acquire someone that we're actually willing to uh, to rotate in and play. I fully agree. I mean, he's just really hasn't gotten you don't get you don't get the sense that Conte has faith in him, which means he's got to be, you know, really low on confidence no matter no matter how positive he is on social media. And the longer he sits on the bench, the less we'd ever get for him. And I think that he might need to go out on loan first, maybe a loan option to buy a situation where he gets that confidence back and he starts scoring goals. And then we can maybe take another look at him. Um, and, I, and I would maybe loan him. I, I mean, this isn't obviously my decision, but I would loan him somewhere I would I would let him go in the Premier League. I would I would make sure that he can actually hack it in England. Um, and, and frankly, if he can't, then you kind of got to recoup some of that. Was it 34, 35 million that we spent on him? Yep, I think it was thirty three. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. So yeah. I think he I think we just I think he deserves a chance. I think for what he's 
the limited time he's gotten, he's provided some key goals, especially last season. And I think that he just he needs to get his confidence up and start scoring goals for a team as the main guy. Yeah, I mean, I would I would look at a team if if you're going to stay in the Premier League with him. You know, maybe look at a team like Bournemouth. Uh, maybe look at a team uh, like Huddersfield or like Brighton. Uh, you know, where he's definitely going to get minutes. Or you know, if you want to keep him in a similar system, uh, perhaps you know, if you know, I don't know how long Marquez is going to be at Stoke, but um, you know, if they stay in that kind of three three back set and have a couple of forwards, he might be able to play up there. I think that. His his major uh, drawback is that he's not a number eleven by himself. Uh, he's a number nine who would play off of an eleven, or or vice versa. If he had a, you know, uh, a, you know someone like an Alexis Sanchez playing off of him, uh, but he's he's not a guy who's going to be able to uh, make the turn, or hold up play, make the turn, and then shoot a goal like Drogba would have, or like. You know, a number of other forwards. So, Dan, I think that he's probably going to have to go into a, a two forward system. And then you're looking at, you know, maybe like a Burnley with a 4 4 2. Or a Leicester. Yeah, yeah. Leicester might okay. be an option. Uh, yeah. I think that he would play really well, uh, you know, opposite like a Vardy. Uh, you know, he could kind of hold up while Vardy makes or maybe a run forward or something of that nature. But I, I do like the shout, Amadi, about the idea of a, a Premier League loan. It'll be interesting to see, you know, Chelsea already having, I think, what, five Premier League loanies right now is uh, it'd be awesome to see a, a 6-1 happening and a, a very expensive uh, six loan E to send out. Well, um, the other thing, though, too, just really quick on on Mishi is that he's 24 years old now. You know, he needs to be playing football regularly. Um, the fact that he's not is probably a bit of a, a warning sign to other teams um, that a guy who's kind of entering into his physical peak isn't able to kind of figure it out. And, you know, when, when you think about Tammy Abraham, who is, you know, not not having the best of times with it at, at Swansea, but certainly scoring some goals and, and playing OK, uh, you know, is is Mishi that much better than, than Tammy? Because right now you would say probably not. And if that's the case, then I think you just have to sell him and, and hope that Tammy kind of comes into his own as a as a what is he, 19 or 20 year old Um and, and has a few a few more years of development to really get that kind of status. That would be my final word on Mishi. Uh, and I think before we end our social media section, uh, we did have a couple other people give us their favorite Christmas movies. Patrick indicating it's either Bad Santa or Christmas Vacation. Reed saying uh, Wonderful Life, Christmas Story. Uh, Mark offered up Elf. Uh, Nick, do you have a, a favorite there? Die Hard. It has to be Die Hard. Die Hard is the greatest Christmas movie. It is awesome. Like it is. It's a story of of, of whimsical magic and wonder. I mean, uh, you know, Amity. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't come up with anything yeah, else. I'm on board with Die Hard, but I actually, <laughs> I actually am a big Home Alone fan. So I'm gonna go with Home Alone. But oh, that's a good Die one. Die Hard is a good Die Hard is excellent, and I would say probably my, my close to my favorite. I, I just have a, a really, really soft spot for Jingle All the Way, and how bad, <laughs> how it's it's uh, it's the best bad Christmas Arnold. movie. <laughs> oh, Booster! <laughs> it, it it's incredibly bad, uh, but that's what this season's about, guys. It's it's about getting getting your PJs and, and watching, you know. A varying degree of good to bad Christmas movies, and that's really where we're at. All right, before we turbo man our way into a match preview <laughs> of Southampton, we're going to talk was, that a was quick horrific. promo break <laughs> to talk about our friends at XL Tours. And Nick, uh, we just finished a trip, but we are going back again in March to see Tottenham lose at Stamford Bridge, like they always do. Yep, for the 27th year in a row. So uh, everyone knock on your on your respective uh, wood uh, surfaces to to not jinx that. There you go. Um, but yeah, we're going back uh, the end of March again. Um, we would have barely left, uh, but it's amazing over there. So we're excited to go back. This is uh, going to be a really special trip, obviously, to see Chelsea Tottenham at the bridge. Those tickets are not easy to come by, so we're really happy to have XL Tours as a partner on this. Uh, we will also be setting up some uh, more fun extras. 
uh, on this trip. And perhaps if Chelsea can shock the world again, uh, perhaps even have a Champions League uh, quarterfinal match at home if uh, if the draw all works that way. So lots of variables right now. But I would encourage you if you're interested, if you're interested in, in gifting part of a trip to someone to DM us, email us uh, and Dan will give you those details right now. Yeah, hit us up, uh, you know, contact at londonisbluepodcast.com. You can also hit us up at London Blue Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But we are going to transition now into a quick match preview. We are playing Southampton this weekend in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge on Saturday, December 16th. Uh, current head-to-head lifetime, 36 matches played, eight draws between the two. We have won 20 of those appearances chelsea nick currently in a better bit of form than southampton with three wins a loss and a draw for chelsea two losses two draws and a win uh, 4-1 versus everton for southampton how are you feeling as we transition into this match yeah, I mean, winning winning today against Huddersfield was massive. I think that Chelsea, you know, if you look uh, at the, the run of fixtures coming up, we have a lot of winnable matches, and this is one of those uh, winnable matches. So uh, Southampton have been kind of up and down this year. They do always play uh, a very tactically organized game, although, um, you know, I don't, I don't think they're necessarily um, red-blooded killers um, when it comes to their, their forward play. So I think that we need to... Uh, seriously lock down the defense and, and hope that um, uh, our boy, the Danish Prince, Andreas Christensen, is okay. He looked like he might have taken a bit of a knock um, right before he came off today. So let's hope that we get him some uh, treatment when he gets back to Cobham. And then, you know, let's let's make sure the back line is as organized as, as ever. Cahill probably comes back in. And we uh, we might see the 3-4-3 uh, the three, three again if, if Murata is not healthy, Amity. Yep, and, I, and honestly, I would love to get some some goals spread around to the team. Um, and and as much as I want Morata to be scoring week in week out, and even if it's not every week, to have a good chance or a sighted goal, um, I would love to get the goals spread around the team. Get some defensive goals, KO goal or two. Wouldn't be mad about that. But um, I I just think that Southampton is a, it's kind of a they're a tricky side. They could be they can be. You know, world beaters on their day, and then uh, others they can they can produce you know some shambolic defending. But against Arsenal last week, I think um, they kind of showed that they can be this resilient and also play on the front foot style team. But since they're playing away from home and at the Bridge, I think that we'll have a we'll have a, we'll have a, a good amount of, of possession and we'll be able to play our game. But Southampton is, is a team to watch. They can be tough. Well, with a couple of those items of note, we will depart from you this fine evening or morning or afternoon, whenever you might be listening to this episode of London's Blue Podcast. We're going to close out with some final thoughts as we all very much feel that we can get a wonderful win against Southampton. Uh, Amadi, we're going to let you go first as our guest and, and thank you first and foremost for, for joining us. So what, what final thoughts might you have? Um, I think that, and I guess in this period of, of, quick turnover in games and also some, some rather important fixtures, you know, for us to make up points. Um, I think it's important that the team and also the fans, uh, kind of keep a realistic ad- outlook and attitude. Um, yes, the, the loss to West Ham was a dip and it was annoying, but I feel like we're starting to come together. I think that the team is playing, even though we're playing every couple of days, the team is starting to show some real resilience and the mentality, the mood within the squad seems solid. And I know despite the, I guess with the, with the exception of David Luiz, everything, everybody seems rather together. And I guess that's the kind of mentality I'm hoping for the team to, to continue with is this togetherness. And it's, it's important that we reach the end of the year with that mentality because we have to take points from these next games and we have to build our confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And where should everyone go to look, to find your, your words, your voice, everything that you want to uh, make sure that you get a chance to plug. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at I'm a do it. That's a M a D O I T double underscore. Um, you can also find my writing at what dot com. Um, and also if you guys like Chelsea highlights, definitely follow at Chelsea gifts. Um, I'm usually kind of posting those up to date during matches and the when best. I can. The so. best account. <laughs> and so, uh, so can you, can you answer real quick? How, 
how do you do it so fast? Like, cause that, that, I think that's the most impressive thing to me. Oh, um, it's either I'm watching it live and I can rip it from what I'm looking at on my screen or thank God for Reddit because they, someone will post those goals within at least three minutes of after the, uh, after they're scored. So guys just kind of keep an eye on those. And if all else fails, trust a YouTube, but that's very rare. Well, good to, good to know a little bit of the secret sauce there. Nick, final thoughts for you. Yeah, want want to make a special announcement for those who will be listening to our post Southampton pod probably on Monday that we uh, we reeled in a big fish um, as a guest uh, guest I should say and uh, someone we've been trying to get for a very long time but uh, noted Chelsea fan and and I'm sure you've seen his broadcasts on ESPN uh, Chris Fowler will be joining us on uh, on Sunday so we are extremely excited uh, to talk to Chris who's been a Chelsea fan for a very long time hear some of his stories and and certainly hear his insights uh, as he is a true professional um and and someone that we uh we respect so dan i mean not to take away your your thunder there but that's pretty freaking awesome huh yeah you know chris is is quite the poll and uh, you know i think i'm excited to see that you know as we were kind of chatting with him a little bit back and forth about what that podcast could look like you know he's met chelsea fans from around the world and his travels and you know seeing games in some of the biggest stages and it's gonna be really interesting to hear some of the perspective he brings and I think we're just generally excited, um, you know, about the, the, just the general kind of span of guests we've been able to get on this season. And uh, we look forward to, to bringing another great podcast this weekend. Uh, but I'm going to wrap it up here. And we are going to thank you again for listening to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Don't forget, you can leave a wonderful review on iTunes. Five stars. We always appreciate that. But until next time, Chelsea fans, as Brandon would say, keep the blue flag flag flying high. (laughs) If you don't want the conversation to stop, make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.